0: Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Christy, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Tuesday, September 3rd. Today we are reading from the big book. We are on page 73, first full paragraph, more than most people. Today's readers are Sylvia, Dew, and Katie F. The reference number for Monday, September 2nd, is 5076. Again, that's 5076. OA Preamble, Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Crystal to read the 12
1: steps, please. Crystal, can I have you press
0: star 1 to unmute your phone? Thank you,
2: Christy. Good morning. Crystal recovered compulsive overeater, the 12 steps of Overeaters Anonymous. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four. Four made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. I pass.
0: Thank you, Crystal. I will now ask Anne S. to read the traditions, please.
3: Hi, good morning. This is Anne, compulsive overeater from Pennsylvania. The 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. To carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers, six an OA group ought never endorse, finance or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise. Less not problems of money, property and prestige diverted from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such will never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. 10, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name will never be drawn into public controversy. 11, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, film, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you. I pass.
0: Thank you, Anne. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. Today, we resume our study at the Big Book. We're on page 73, first full paragraph on the page. And I will ask
4: Sylvia to begin reading, please. Good morning, Christy. Good morning, fellows. This is Sylvia, Recovered Compulsive Overeater in upstate New York. Can you hear me, Christy? I can. Go ahead. I wanted to make sure I wasn't still muted. More than most people, the alcoholic leads a double life. He is very much the actor. To the outer world, he presents his stage character. This is the one he likes his fellows to see. He wants to enjoy a certain reputation, but knows in his heart he doesn't deserve it. Important paragraph, like, like everything in the book. And this very much applied to what was going on in my life because I was so disconnected. Um. I spent my whole life trying to make sure that you thought I was okay. Um and and I did. To the outer world, he presents a stage character. I looked absolutely successful. I had a good career, I had a stable marriage, I had successful children. Um we were had relatively good finances. Um we had the accoutrements and um and so it looked okay, but the the thing is is that i knew something was wrong with me and i knew that i was a fraud whether i was a fraud or not i knew that i you know i hadn't i hadn't earned my reputation that i really i think i knew in my heart whether it was true or not it didn't matter that uh i wasn't worthy of even the position i had at my workforce um and that that I I knew that there was something wrong with me. So it says he knows in his heart he doesn't deserve it. And so what happens, and what happened with me is that working the steps and trying it, it reconciles us into one person that has. You know I think we we call it. Uh, uh, I had my soul, I got my soul intact. Um, I was. I was so um, divided about what I thought about myself that I was sure I wasn't worth anything or I was worth more than you, but never equal, no less, no more. That's where I wasn't. So it's by working the steps that we get realigned and reconciled to that I'm exactly who I'm supposed to be. I'm earning what I'm supposed to earn. It it just, I am okay. Okay. And um, that is the full completion for me of the steps is to to know that, you know, I am not perfect, and it says in the book, "I am not a saint, but it's, but I am okay. I'm doing exactly the best I can, every day, one day at a time. And the biggest difference is that it doesn't if I am spiritually fit and that's the big if I am spiritually fit it doesn't matter what you or other people think about me because I know it has to be what God and I think of me, you know, that, that, that's, that's the deal breaker. And, uh, before recovery, it, I wanted everyone to think okay of me because I didn't. And that exactly describes this paragraph. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Sylvia. Who else would like to share on this paragraph?
5: Good morning, Christy. This is Lisa from South Jersey.
0: Hi, Lisa.
6: Go ahead.
5: Uh, Good morning, everyone. This is Lisa, Recover Compulsive Overeater from South Jersey. Um, Oh, my God. Everything Sylvia said, um, ditto, 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 I concur, I concur, I concur. Um, It is such a relief to be in recovery and not have to play all these different roles. Um, I I didn't know who I was because when I was at work, I was one person. Always had to be in charge, of the boss, and order everybody else around. And then when I was with this group, I was somebody else. And um, the beautiful—I <laughs> mean, the beautiful thing about recovery—and Sylvia just put it so eloquently—is that if I am spiritually fit, I can just be myself. When I surrender my life to a higher power, when I start out each day asking God, how can I best serve thee? Thy will, not mine, be done. When I am looking throughout the day, watching for selfishness, Uh, self-seeking, resentment, and fear, when I'm constantly watching for that, and when it comes up, I'm asking God to remove it, I can just be myself. I can just be myself. It was so exhausting. It was absolutely exhausting playing these roles. And complete chaos and confusing because... In different situations, I was different people. I mean, I felt that sometimes I felt like I was one of those multiple personality um, disorders because I just couldn't be me. And um, this program is so beautiful. And if you're new and you're, if it seems daunting, all you need is a little, little bit of willingness. And willingness to take direction from another recovered person to follow the guidelines in this book. And you can be free. I'm free, oh, oh, I'm free to be me today. And if I, I have to echo this, I have to say it because in my heart I mean it. I cared so much about what you thought of me. Today, I know that if I am in line with God's will, I really don't care what you think. And I don't mean it in an arrogant way. Or, I love all of you and I'm, I love this program, but my life is in God's hands. And I am God's servant, and that is the way I choose to live each and every day. And I thank God for this program. I thank each one of you for your recovery and the inspiration that you are each day. Thank you for allowing me to share. With that, I pass.
0: Thank you, Lisa. Who else would like Hello. to share on this paragraph?
6: This is Linda. Can I share? Sure, Linda. Go ahead. Hi, this is, this is Linda. Sharon Colorado.
0: Okay, Linda, go ahead, and then we'll catch you uh, as soon as Linda's done.
6: This is Linda, a compulsive overeater. I'm from Virginia. And I um, actually kind of took this to an extreme as far as playing the parts. I didn't know who I was growing up as a child. I didn't trust who I was. Um, and I would eat to almost burst out of that, 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 uh, quandary, but I went to M7 theater and I started finding who I was through playing all of these other parts and roles and it, uh, had a big career in that field. And, uh, I tell you the, the pot ran dry in that, um, in that attempt and, I'm so grateful I found this program. One of my sponsors used to remind me to look at my chip. You know, we get chips in these programs. And to thine own self be true. And I was so frustrated every time she'd say that. I'm like, oh, do I have to pull that thing out again and look at it again while you're listening on the phone? And, but I did. And gradually, eventually, I am coming to know who I am. Accept who I am. Be comfortable in my own skin so that I don't have to cram food so I get to burst out of it. No, I get to, um, you know, take my journey and ask for help. And when I have a feeling or emotion, which I'm human, that happens, I can call someone and say, can you help me put a name on this? Can you help me understand what I'm feeling right now? And so I don't have to, Play the part. I get to be who uh, God and uh, intends me to be. God and the force of life and the destiny of life. And my, I get genetically get to be who I am. And uh, there's um, uh, there's a whole history of that uh, in all of us, as far as who our parents are and what our lineage is. And, and there's a little bit of that 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 gets to flow from. Um, a sober, uh, abstinent, uh, clear-headed uh, self who is connected with um, friends and community. I'm getting ready this morning to start a brand new program at a very prestigious university, and this my 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 program comes first. Um, and as I'm getting dressed and choosing my you know earrings and such to wear. It's not that I go out as a bland cracker, no. I go out and, and my, the what I wear I consider as service to others. It's not, oh, what will make me look good in their eyes, but what will make them feel good when they encounter me? I mean, if I wear something crash and brass and offensive or, you know, it's a, it's a way of being of service. And that's where I'm at today. I'm having a wonderful, wonderful, purposeful life. I'm, I'm in this program. I'm beginning this program for a reason. There's a, there's a reason behind what I do. There's a purpose behind what I do now rather than striking out recklessly and desperately to get attention, any kind of attention, negative attention, uh, grandiose attention. And I concur with what's been said so far as well, but... Um, that I can just be a worker among workers and a friend among friends. And even though I'm a little older going back for this degree, I am um, uh, an equal in, in spirit and humanity with everyone. And this program's given me that. Thank you, and God bless everyone today. Bye bye.
0: Thank you, Linda. And then who was it from Colorado that wanted to share?
7: Sharon in Colorado, compulsive overeater. Can you hear me? Sure can. Go ahead. Yep, sure can. Go ahead, Sharon. Hi, right. Thanks, Chrissy. Um, I just wanted to comment on this paragraph because I, too, it says, more than most people, the alcoholic leads a double life and is very much the actor to the outer world to present his stage character. And this was so important to me, and it was so rooted in the fact that I really didn't, I was so insecure. I didn't, I didn't, even know who I was, but I didn't want to be me. I knew that, so I was always looking out there. Oh, I'd like to be like there was this other Sharon in my school years, and I wanted to be like her, and I wanted my parents to be like her parents. And I, I was just never at peace with myself. And then when this addiction started, uh, I tried to be very, uh, you know, talk about a divided mind and heart. Um, you know, I would uh, a lot of times and uh, hide, uh, definitely hide my eating in the beginning before I was so out of control I couldn't do that anymore. But, uh, you know, I would eat in my car and the next day I would come out and I'd think, where did all those wrappers come from? What is all that junk on the seat of my car? And it just was unreal to me that um, I couldn't. I couldn't connect that that was me, you know, that did that and did that on the way home. And then when I got home, did it some more. And so I was never, ever at peace uh, within myself. And it did generate and fuel the fear and the resentment and the anger and all those things that just kept me in that cycle of addiction. So I am just so grateful to be here today. I am so grateful for this meeting. And I am so grateful to know today, like someone else shared. Um, today I am finding that, you know, that peace that I longed for uh, to be just okay with me and know that that was perfectly okay with God is coming to be a reality in my life. And I still struggle sometimes because I still want everyone to like me and I still, you know, do this, do that, but I have the tools today to get that turned around right away. And I'm in the process of doing the fourth and fifth step and seeing uh, these sick mind thoughts of mine that uh, just continued to keep me in that um, vicious cycle of of eating and fear and resentment. And and so I'm just so grateful to all of you on the line, and I encourage all the new people. I'm an old-timer who's now a new-timer again, and I'm just so grateful to be here. Thank you. I pass.
0: Thank you, Sharon. Who else would like to share on this paragraph?
8: Thank you. I'm sorry? Uh, this is Stu.
0: Hi, Stu. I can't hear you too well. Can you speak up a little bit and you can go ahead. Sure. This can, be...
9: can you hear me now?
0: Yes. Yep. That's better. Thank you.
7: Great.
9: Yeah. Um, hi. This is Stu. I'm a compulsive vulgarita. I know it. Uh, it says more than most the alcoholic leaves a double life and when I think about a double life I think about a hypocrite and <laughs> you know and it's um it's so nicely written here and I I, I love the grace that this book has for the alcoholic compulsive overeater, you know, where where they word things and 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 they're basically saying that, you know, that we Lead double lives. That we've been the hypocrite. We we present ourselves um, one way one day to one person, and another day another way to another person, and and it's it becomes a habit. And it becomes a pattern of our behavior, and it becomes so ingrained in us that it becomes natural. And then you you add the component of compulsive overeating with that. You know, you bring in the disease where we go on these sprees. And we get confused where we don't, we can't after a time differentiate the false from the truth. And, you know, and then that complicates things because then when that bit of honesty comes up in us, you know, um, where we realize, oh my God, you know, I I messed up. I, I did horrible things in my life. And, you know, and especially when I was compulsive overeating, you know, maybe I, I, Stole from my spouse, you know, from from the food account and went and you know, or the bill account or the expense account, and then I went and used it on my binging, or you know, or took off from my job and did, didn't show up at work on time, and I didn't do the things that I was supposed to do because I was so busy binging, you know, and. And that's what it's talking about here. It's talking about the dishonesty that goes on with our behavior over a period of time, you know, in hiding things, you know, in covering things up. And, you know, and and we practice that so much that it becomes almost second nature. And here we are at step five, where we have to admit to God, to ourselves and to another human being, the exact nature of our wrongs. How in the world are we going to do that (laughs) if if our pattern has been about hiding and 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 not seeing the daylight of certain things in our in our character defects. And now it's saying, No, now we have to expose it. Now we have to bring it to the light. Now we have to confess it. Now we have to admit it. And it's scary stuff. It's scary stuff. You know, that we have to do that. And I I love it because you know, it says we don't have to worry about that because it's going to show us exactly, precisely how we need to do this. And here it's going to give us some further instructions on how to go about this. And, and the great thing is that, you know, we have some essentials to recovery, which is honesty, open-mindedness,
8: and willingness.
9: And as long as we have those, they're indispensable. They can't be gotten rid of because they're so valuable that they will help us you know those those principles those tools that we have in this program of recovery which we've already been learning from step one which was honesty then we have the faith then we have the integrity and the courage you know these are principles that we are already adding to our tool belt that will help us get get through this this fifth step and, um, and that's what I see here, and
0: with that, I pass. Thank you, do. Who else would like to share on this paragraph? This is Lois,
9: Daddy,
0: uh, Let's see, I heard Lois, I heard Leah, and then why don't we start there, and then I'll catch the other folks when we're done here. So go ahead, Lois.
10: Hi, thank you, thank you, uh, Melanie. Good morning, everyone. Um, this is Lois, recovered in Massachusetts, and you know, as I as I reflect about what was just being read, um, I, I grew up in an alcoholic family, and and I, I was full of fear. I was full of fear before I ever picked up food. You know, but I was full of fear, and and I was always alert, and uh, I knew that what you wanted from me, and and what what I what I tried to be so I began to um, just live my life that way you know I want I needed to be liked I needed to be approved of and and all my life this ruled what I how I behaved how, what I achieved you know how I achieved how I wanted to be perfect you know the fear inside of me was 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 very was very was great and and I used many different things in order to to get myself comfortable to feel safe and, and therefore, you know, I, I, didn't know I, didn't have, I didn't have my own values. I knew what you wanted from me. I knew what they wanted from me. I knew what I wanted to be. You know, I admired many people. So therefore, I became an actor. Of course I did. And it wasn't all good. You know, I'm not saying my actions were all good. Of course not. I was dishonest. I was resentful you know uh, i just thought i never got my own way how come how come i never got my own way so therefore this was where i this was the person i brought you know to this recovery program and and it was it was it was that I was an empty vessel, and I fed myself with many different things. you know I, I did whatever I could to get you to like me or to get me to like me, you know so that I could live in my own skin. so when I was presented with you know the, the steps and I heard what was being shared, you know for me it was it was very hopeful it was a hopeful situation and and when i when I learned too that i i didn 't have to um I didn't have to change you, I didn't have to do all this, you know, put on these performances. For me it was it was a relief. And and so therefore, you know, when I did my fourth step and then and then I learned about my selfishness, which to me was a terrible terrible disease, selfishness. Like God, I never thought I was selfish. You know, I was always doing what you wanted me to do. That, you know, and I began to to see that and I began to understand with God's help and a sponsor's help that you know, I I could I could change. That it was okay to admit this, so that uh, the Lord could take it away, and therefore, you know, I began to to do the best I could with step five, and um, and you know, I'm, I didn't do it perfectly. I know that today, but you know, I, I could always add to that. So I just wanted to say that that you know that, that this this is if if you're doing these these steps, and you're right at this step, you're right where you're supposed to be for, for whatever's going on in your life. If you're a compulsive overeater, the answers are here for you. So I just want to say thank you for letting me share, and I will pass.
0: Thank you, Lois. Leah, go ahead.
11: Thank you so much. Good morning, everybody. Good morning, Christy. My name is Leah. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. More than most people, the alcoholic leads a double life. He is very much the actor. To the outer world, he presents his stage character. I mean, I don't know about you. I can certainly tell you about my disease that, uh, you know, I had a rough time living. <laughs> and I had a rough time living since I was a little kid. Um, I had this unmanageability in my life and uh, this anxious apartness. You know, I was tortured by loneliness, even though in a room with a, <laughs> a bunch of uh, kindergartners, I felt like. I just couldn't fit. You know, I had that separation from a very very young age and um you know was was uh you know had a rough time living. I mean, my my main relationships that were being developed were with uh Captain Crunch and little Debbie. So, uh you know, I became this compulsive overeater. Um and, you know, in order to be a good practicing compulsive overeater, uh, you have to be a con artist. You have to lie, you have to cheat, con, manipulate, um, you know, justify, rationalize. These were a few tools in my toolkit. And, of course, you know, developing resentments over the years allowed me to transfer all the blame of this life of mine to others. And play the role of victim. And so I had decades of this kind of behavior where I couldn't be honest with myself. I certainly wasn't honest with other people. I had layers and layers of rationalization and justification. And, of course, that further separated me. I I threw up these masks of, um, you know, being jovial and, and happy. But meanwhile, behind the scenes, as my disease progressed... Um, You know, I had a feeling like I was going crazy. I was overwhelmed with guilt feelings. I had this sense of impending doom. I, uh, you know, woke up with those four horsemen that we all know so well, terror, bewilderment, fear, and frustration, and despair. Um, And I was contemplating suicide every once in a while. So, you know, during the day, I would throw up this mask and had no credibility. And behind the scenes, I was feeling like, um, you know, I just couldn't uh, walk this planet comfortably. So, you know, these masks certainly separated me. And I continued to be tormented by these memories, by unresolved conflicts, by fears, guilt, remorse. Those all haunted me. Well, here comes the program of recovery, and here comes step five, you know, which is an opportunity for me to get honest, entirely honest with somebody else for the first time in my life. You know, because I was looking for freedom. I was looking for freedom. How can I? Uh, be a part of this world, how can I walk this planet comfortably without having to self-destruct by my fist under the guise of seeking ease and comfort? Well, the only way for someone like me to do that is to begin by being honest with someone else, looking for freedom, freedom from these character defects, freedom from uh, these... uh, this life of manipulation and, and justification and lies and, and deceit and, uh, you know, all these masks that separated me from God. So what, what did I have to do in order to get a new relationship with my creator? What were the obstacles that were standing between me and this God that could save me from myself? Well, that's exactly what starts to get torn away is that separation, those barriers. And step five was that opportunity, the beginning of true kinship with man and God. And what a relief it was. And with that, I pass. Thanks.
0: Thank you, Leah. Who else would like to share before we move to the next paragraph?
12: This is Sally. This is Leah.
0: Okay, Sally, and then Leah. Go ahead, Sally.
12: Thank you, Christy.
13: Sally, we covered in South Jersey. I know a lot of great things have been said about this, but um, I think this needs to be said as well. I remember um, almost 20 years ago, I went um, down to Nashville, um, and I was in a recording studio, and all over the recording studio were these little chameleons, these little porcelain chameleons. And I said to the guy who was the producer, why are these here? And he said, oh, that's kind of like my thing. I love these little chameleons. And I don't know why, but here it was 20 years ago. I thought to myself, I looked up this thing, this chameleon, and uh, it looks like a little uh, lizard. And it talked about the fact that the chameleon has these camouflage capacities. And for some reason, it just struck me for the first time in my young 30s, oh, my goodness, I am just like this chameleon. I do this. I camouflage myself. Everywhere I go, I alter myself just a little bit so that I fit in, so that I can be really a great people pleaser. How can they not like me when I'm so much like them? And if I can alter myself just a little so that they see that, oh, yeah, I'm a lot like you then maybe you'll like me and maybe, maybe you'll be comfortable with me. And so I realized that was me. I was the chameleon for so many years. I was the camouflage expert. And I was the people pleaser. And largely I was all of these things because I was scared. I had that fear that I wasn't going to be good enough. I just wasn't going to be good enough. And when we read this paragraph, more than most people, the alcoholic leads a double life. Sure, there's lots of people out there who lead a double life, but more than most people, we lead a double life. Why? Because we're not sure of who we are, because we don't like ourselves, even if we do know who we are, that we have to alter ourselves. And so we have to become the actor. To the outer world, he presents his stage character. I had a million stage characters because whoever I was with, I altered myself just slightly so that I could camouflage me and fit in with my surroundings, you. This is the one he likes his fellows to see. He wants to enjoy a certain reputation but knows in his heart he doesn't deserve it. Knows in his heart I wasn't myself sure of who I was. And if I had any inkling of who I was, I didn't like me, so I had to alter me. I had to make me look a little more like you because you look like you like you, so maybe you'll like me too. And, you know, it brings me back to where we're we're coming from, that fear prayer, because that's what we're going to have to deal with here. This this paragraph before talked about humility, fearlessness, and honesty. And as has been said so many times, we really have to reach a place here of fearlessness and honesty with who we are. It's the only way we can finally shed the camouflage, shed this this ability to be the people pleaser and finally become comfortable in our own skin is as we really fess up to another human being, to God. But most important, until I become comfortable with me, just with me, as I become comfortable with me and I say, okay, Sally, it's okay. You're, you're enough. And we have page 68 to remind us that we, can, we ask him to remove our fear. And this is specifically right here, our fear of not being good enough, that, that I have to camouflage myself because I'm just not enough. And maybe you'll like me if I look more like you and direct our attention to what he would have us be. And as we take our eyes off of our – this I really feel like for me it's speaking a lot about my identity – and who I was, and I didn't have a strong identity. I didn't, and if I had one, I didn't like what it looked like. But I can finally ask God, who am I? And I can start embracing who I am and stop the camouflage, stop the people-pleasing, stop the chameleon behavior, and most importantly, lay down the fear and take a look. Who am I? Who am I within the framework of my God? He's my creator. He's in the process of recreating me, and that's what I'm finding out here. Thanks for letting me share with that. I Thank
0: you, Sally. And Leia, go
1: ahead. Can you
0: press star one to unmute your phone, Leia?
12: Oh yes, of course. This is Leia uh recovering compulsive overeater. Oh my goodness, do you hear me now?
0: Yes, yep, yes, you hear me. Just fine. Go ahead. Okay.
12: Okay. Okay. I I I will, first of all I want to thank Sally so so very much. Um uh okay. When the first very first time I read this, more than most people, the alcoholic leads a double life, it was like a punch into my heart. It was like, wait, wait a minute. Who else does this? Who else does that? This is really something that was really very much a part of me. But I didn't know that other people also do these these things. The alcoholic does this. The overeater does this. And then everything came back. Wow, this is this is really, really huge. Very, very huge. And so... Um, what i What I found from this was not only my fear but to face when i when I did my fourth step and my fifth step to face everything, and when I faced it, I realized I so much want to be loved, I want to be loved by you by by everyone, and i 'll do anything in, my, in the world just so that you love me because i don't love myself. And then I realized that I had to give this over to God. And you know what? God does love me. And I realized that all the gratitudes that I re- that I do every day, and I, I talk about every day, and I write every day, this is not a double thing. This is not a, a double life. This is very, very true. And then I started to realize, my goodness, I do love myself, and I started acceptance, and the acceptance is so huge. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Leah. We're going to move on to the next paragraph.
0: Do, would you please read that for us?
1: Good morning. This is Do, a uh, compulsive overeater. Can you
9: hear me well?
0: Yes, go ahead, Do.
9: Okay. So psychologists are inclined to agree with us. We have spent thousands of dollars for examinations. We know but few instances where we have given these doctors a fair break. We have seldom told them the whole truth, nor have we followed their advice. Unwilling to be honest with these sympathetic men, we were honest with no one else. Small wonder many in the medical profession have a low opinion of alcoholics and their chance for recovery um wow what i see here is you know the fact that we haven't given these doctors a fair break and you know and they're in the service of helping people and it says that they have um we have seldom been honest with them and they are people that are sympathetic men that they they're in a position to help us um you know and before I comment, I just wanted to bring about
1: um, page 133 where it says that,
8: um, but, but this does not mean that we disregard human, um, human health measures. God has abundantly
9: supplied us, supplied this world with fine doctors, psychologists, and practitioners of various kinds. Uh, do not hesitate to take your health problems to such persons. Most of them get freely of themselves that their fellows may enjoy sound minds and bodies. Try to remember that though God has wrought miracles among us, we should never belittle a good doctor or psychiatrist. Your services are often indispensable in treating a newcomer and in following this case afterwards. And, you know, what I see from there is that, you know, a lot of times when I was compulsively overeating, I would go to the doctor and I wasn't honest with them. I was like almost 300 pounds and I'm like, you know, I'm eating healthy and I'm doing things right. And, you know, and I'm lying to their, their faces, you know, and they're looking at me and they're like, well, if you were at a healthy weight and you were exercising, you were doing everything that you're saying that you're doing, I don't think you'd be here, and you know, and they could see through that. You know, they could see through the the dishonesty and and the fact that then they don't know how to precisely help us if we're not honest with them. You know, and and I I just see from here that you know that the honesty has to come in. You know, the honesty of letting doctors know, letting them know where we're at, especially you know in this program you know, it's recommended that we go to a nutritionist at first, you know, and and to disclose to them that we're compulsive overeaters and that we're allergic to certain types of food because, you know, a lot of doctors in the health profession don't really get that we have an allergy of the body and that certain foods can trigger us to eating more and more of the same. And, you know, and if we don't disclose that to the doctor, they're not going to be able to help us, you know, properly, um, I remember a while back in the beginning I had to go to my own doctor and disclose to her, you know, that I had an allergy um, to certain foods. And, you know, the first thing she told me is, well, you can moderate. You can cut back. And, and you know, and she gave me these um, these things where I, this substance that I knew I couldn't have, And she couldn't understand why I couldn't have it. And then I had to explain to her, you know, that I couldn't have that substance because it did something to me just like, um, you know, the person who's an alcoholic would have an allergic reaction to even a small amount of, you know, of alcohol. You know, whether it's in cough medicine or or any other substances that they might have as far as pills. And, And I knew that I had to give up certain pills that were being given to me for depression, you know, that had the sugar substance in it. And I I knew I was allergic to that. But in in the beginning, I wasn't being honest with the doctor. I didn't know any better, you know. Um, And I I took those substances and I became almost 300 pounds. Um, So when I was really honest with the healthcare professional, they were able to help me and, you know, and get back to where I needed to be at um, as far as, you know, in the medical field. So with that, i will
0: Thank you, Ju. Um, Why don't we go ahead and we'll take a few shares on this particular paragraph, and then if we have time, we'll go back to that the other paragraph there, starting with the inconsistency. Who would like to share on this paragraph? Psychologists are inclined to agree with us.
1: You'll need to press star one to unmute your phone, please This is
10: Lois Lois. go ahead Hi good morning um, good morning, Melanie. This is uh, Lois or covered in Massachusetts again. I just wanted to comment on uh, we must be entirely honest we must women I lost my place um we we Un uh, unwilling. No, well, he must be willing to be honest with someone. And for me, as as I was reflecting about what we said earlier, was, you know, my honesty can only be um, I can only be as honest as my fears got less. You know, I was too afraid to be honest. So, you know, for me, again, you know, the, the promise can comes from, you know, the steps is for me, it was uh, God was able to help me to look at my fears, you know, to, to, to build up enough trust to do that with a sponsor and, and, and to turn these over to God. And as my fears reduced, you know, as I reduced my, as the fears were reduced, my honesty level increased. So that I was able to, you know, to to be grow into this and to be able to share with you how I, what I thought, how I felt, and and as you know, and that continues up until my, you know, the rest of my life. I'll be working, you know, with that and and appreciate it. So you know, once again, it was my fears. So going through the steps, you know, I had been to therapists before. Uh, I I have been to many therapists on and off during my life. But, you know, it was, I I never got any kind of relief about that or any kind of information, especially helpful information. And it wasn't until, you know, I went through these steps, the big book way, with a sponsor, that I was able to write them down, understand them, even admit them, and, and have God to remove these and to be able to live one day at a time in recovery and, and. um and to have the courage to be who I was and to know that it was okay to be who I was as long as I was working with spiritual principles that day. So thank you. And I'll pass, Melanie. Thank thank you, Lois. Who else would like to share on this paragraph? This
14: is
0: Cynthia, may we share? Um, I did not catch any of those names. Who would like to share?
14: Paula. Cynthia.
0: Okay, Paula, and then it sounded like either Sophia or Cynthia.
8: Cynthia.
0: Cynthia, very good, thank you. Paula, go ahead, and then Cynthia.
8: Thank you. This would be Paula. I'm going to start that last sentence. Unwilling to be honest with these sympathetic men. We were honest with no one else. Well, they were just on the long list. And the one that I was most dishonest with was myself. I told myself the same lie that I told everyone else. And you know what? They didn't believe me, and I didn't believe me. And then it continued. How was I to cover the lie? Well, I would pretend, always pretend, pretend to be, pretend to think. You didn't think. Yeah, I'm going to pretend to think like them. I didn't even know how they thought, but I thought I thought I knew how they thought. This is a disease. Round and round in circles it goes. Where it stops, no one knows. Oh, yes, we do. We know where it stops. But here again, it says, small wonder many in the medical profession have a low opinion of alcoholics and their chance of recovery. Mind lower still. and lower still. Until I could see who I was. And you know, they know. You sit in the doctor's office and you tell a lie and they look at you. And they look at you thing is, you walk out of that office, they're not looking at you anymore. You are looking at you, and you're seeing, and you know, and you know. But it says here, we have seldom told them the whole truth, nor have we followed their advice. Well, that was it. That was it. I very seldom told them the whole t- I would tell them parts of the truth, and I would get parts of the answer that I liked, As Bill W. said. Did not he say that in the first pages? He said, I listened to what I thought I wanted to hear. Yes. That was it. Oh yeah, that that part that I liked. Oh, I'll go by that. And it could never come to that place to be in recovery. I thank you for allowing me to share. And with that I do pass.
6: Thank you, Paula.
0: Cynthia, go ahead.
8: Hello. Uh this is Cynthia.
0: Go ahead, Cynthia.
14: Okay, thank you. Um, this is Cynthia recovering from the disease of compulsive overeating. Uh, this part about um, uh, us uh, having not given the doctors a fair break and not having told the whole truth, um, in my case, I was in such a, a case of denial that I didn't know what the truth was. Um, for me, when I was seeing those psychologists and those psychiatrists, and I was still binge eating, um, I was able to keep memories at bay. That food was doing for me something to keep memories repressed. And so I could not be honest because I was in denial. Denial for me was not dishonesty. I was not aware of what that food was doing for me. And when I stopped binge eating and those memories started coming up for me, um, thank God I was in an inpatient setting because it was terrifying for me. Um, what the food had done for me for years at keeping that anxiety at bay. Um, but thank God I didn't ever try to go back to put the toothpaste back in the tube. Um so I couldn't have been honest while I was still eating. I had to put the food down in order to feel the feelings that that food was repressing, um, and uh, I had to uh, be willing to take that risk that that those emotions, those that anxiety, those memories were not going to kill me. Those memories of what I had gone through. I would already survived what I had been through. This was just the memory of it. So for anyone who is afraid to feel their feelings, please know that you've already been through whatever it is you're remembering. Um, so with that, I will pass. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Cynthia. We've got time for one more three-minute uh, share on this paragraph before we close
1: up. Who would like to close out?
0: All right, we will close then. Thank you so much to everyone who has shared. Uh, Katie F., are you available to read a vision for you for us?
8: This is Katie, a recovered compulsive overeater. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick.